0: Are you ready for the word this morning? I want to talk to you on the subject. I changed my mind. My clock has already started, so I got 37 minutes and counting, okay? Luke chapter 15, if you have it, uh, if you have a Bible, if you have the, the Uversion app, or if you don't have uh, iPhone uh, or whatever you, you may have, you can uh, go to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 uh, through 18. Luke 15, 11, and 18. Then he said, Jesus is talking, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and i perish with hunger i'm dying here of hunger i will arise and go to my father and i will say to him father i have sinned against heaven and before you amen so generally when when a preacher gets up to talk There's two types of messages that uh, they can deliver. There's two types of messages. There's there's those stories that are not well-known. That you're like, how do you pronounce that name? And and you have to understand the storyline. And and the preacher has to spend some time to be able to lay the foundation of what uh, they are saying in that particular time. Um, There are those that just have... Some complicated genealogy and have some complicated history, and you have to take some time uh, to be able to break that down. And then there's those stories that are pretty well known. So if you've been in church for some time, uh, you'll you'll be able to remember the story of the prodigal son. If you have not been in church, don't you worry. I'm going to uh, share that with you today. Uh, this is the story uh, that that is the main topic of our conversation this morning. Those that are known. So so this is mine. The Bible tells us that there's three people. The father and and two of his sons. And then it also mentions later on uh, a a citizen. No names are given. So we see a total of four people that are involved in this particular scenario that is taking place in this story. But there's also one that's involved. That's not mentioned. But we understand through reading and through Uh, understanding the scripture that he is implied. And and it is Satan. It is Satan because he always hides. He always connives. As in the garden of Eden, it shows up in the form of a snake and just slithers his way into a situation. Uh, He always hides and he does his best work. Doesn't like the spotlight, but he does his best work when he's invisible. And the Bible says that the younger son, the younger son said to his father, Can you just give me the portion of my goods? Give me the portion of my goods that belongs to me. He was asking for his inheritance before the time. He just wanted to be able to have that in his possession. And we understand through this the dilemma of the youngest son. The dilemma of the youngest son. What we see through the younger son was not the desire to just have possessions. It was not the desire to have money. It was not the desire for fame. It was not the desire for any type of goods. He had all of that. He had access to that because of who his daddy was. He had servants that took care of him, that attended to him. He had people that came and brought him whatever he wanted, uh, at whatever time he wanted. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. What we see through him is not the desire for the stuff. It was the desire for the control. Amen. It was a desire for the control. He wanted to be able to do what he wanted, when he wanted, and how he wanted. He didn't want to answer to anyone. He didn't want to be under his father's covering. He didn't want to be under his father's rules. He wanted to do it the way he wanted to. And the Bible says, the Bible says that this father, when he heard this, this younger son come to him and say, Can you just give me what belongs to me already? The Bible says that the father distributed the goods to them. To them. So he, the younger son was not the only one that took possession of his inheritance. But we understand that the older son also took possession of his inheritance. And, and it is incredible to see that through this, uh, we, we can see that there are those that don't know how to manage what is given to them. We, we can understand that there are those that don't know how to handle a blessing because the, the older son received his inheritance but stayed put and stayed where he was at, stayed there and just kept living the life that he was uh, living. But the younger son received it and said, Man, now I think I'm all that, and takes all. And there is a doctrine that that I want to point out, that I want to bring into this story. It's called the doctrine of Balaam. And we see it at work in this passage. The story, it's one of my favorite stories in in scripture. It's Numbers 22 and 23. I'm not going to read it all to you. um, But you can go back and look at it. The Bible says that this man named Balak, he calls this man named Balaam. Okay, Balak is against the people of God and and wants to see nothing but bad happen to God's people. So he calls this man named Balaam uh, who has been able to curse people, who has been able to bless people, who has been able to speak life over people, who has been able to speak death over people. And he asks him to curse God's people. And at first, God tells Balaam, don't you go. Don't you go. This guy's asking you to do something wrong. And don't go and curse those people, God tells him, because they are already blessed. Ultimately, the story develops and it keeps on going. and, And ultimately, God tells him, you can go, but only share the words or only speak the words that I tell you. To speak. Numbers 23 tells us that Balak, the king of Moab, had, has brought me from Aram. This is Balaam speaking from the mountains of the east. And he says, come curse Jacob for me and come denounce Israel. Balaam responded and said, how shall I curse whom God has not cursed? How can I curse whom God has not cursed? And how can I denounce whom the Lord has has not denounced. Balaam says, I can only speak what God is telling me to speak. And Balak is trying to get it through his thick skull that, that, that it's not going to work out his way. And then the Bible tells us that Balak said to Balaam, what have you done to me? I took you to curse my enemies. Because Balaam, when, when he said, you have to remember, he said that God told him, you're only going to speak what I tell you to. And God told him to keep blessing his people. And Balak calls him out on the carpet and says, I took you to curse my enemies, and look, you have blessed them bountifully. Balak tries again. So he's looking at him from one side of the mountain and takes him to the other side of the mountain, and he takes him to this different side. And Balaam replies this, and he says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor is he the son of man. That he could repent. Has he said it or will he not do it? Or has he spoken it and will he not make it good? Good. Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed. God has blessed. And look what ba- Balaam says. He has said, and I cannot reverse it. I know you've called me. I know you're paying me good money. I know you're asking me to bless God's people, but I want you to know that there is a blessing on them that cannot be reversed. There is a blessing on them that no matter if I try to curse them, because God has protected them and God has covered them, there is no curse that can come. Upon them. He says this He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord is God, is with them, and the shout of the king is among them. So, what does all this mean for us? This doctrine here, what we see is it tells us that Satan, the adversary of our souls, he does not have the power, he does not have the authority. He doesn't have a sorcerer or a witch who can curse what God has already blessed. You'll get it on the way home. Balaam can't find a recipe to curse God's people. And I want to tell you that if you are blessed, you do not have to live in fear of being cursed. If you are blessed, you do not have to live in fear of being cursed because hell cannot curse what God has already blessed. There's no witch doctor, there's no sorcerer, there is no power that the enemy could bring against a blessed child of God. When I talk to you about being blessed, I'm not talking about the amount of money that you have. In your bank account. I'm not talking about the clothes you wear. I'm not talking about the car that you drive. No, being blessed is so much more than that. Being blessed is the invisible, intangible state of having God's favor over your life. Regardless of what the circumstance in your life currently tells you, you're blessed. The problem. Through the challenge, through the trial, through the fire, I'm blessed. The Bible tells me, yeah, I may be going through this, but even if I'm crying, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I am blessed. This is only a season. This will pass. I will come out of this. Being blessed is when we can overcome adversity and when we can overcome challenges and when we can overcome problems and come out on the other side and say, I am blessed. Being blessed is when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Being blessed is when you go through the fire, the, the flame will not hurt you. And if you are blessed, Unless the Lord says no weapon formed against you will prosper. So I want to tell you today. That if you are blessed, you don't have to fear being cursed because there is nothing that can reverse the blessing of God over your life. So whatever you're going through, whatever challenge has come against you, whatever trial, it may be the greatest thing that you have faced in your life. I want to tell you, it won't prevail. It won't take you out. it, It won't be your end. You're blessed. And the devil knows you're blessed. And it worries him. Because for him to prevail against us, he has to get us out of the place of blessing. He has to get us out of the place of blessing. He needs to get us out of the house. And that's where many struggle with the temptation to leave the house. Because the enemy knew that the only way for him to have full access to the younger son was for him to leave the house. And what we see working in the youngest son is a spirit of restlessness. A spirit of restlessness. And we've never seen so many examples of this, like in the time that we're living here today, is a spirit of restlessness. You're at home, and you're like, I want to go somewhere. And you leave the house for a day, and you're like, I can't wait to get back home. Couldn't wait to get married. And now you're looking at him and saying, why did I marry you in the first place? It's a spirit of restlessness. The young want to be old. The, young, the old want to be young. Those that have hair are cutting it all off. Those that don't have hair wish they had hair. Those who have a job are saying some nice words about their boss in their head. And those that don't have a job wish they had a job. It's a spirit of restlessness. The married people want to be single, the single people are saying throw them over here, honey. It's a spirit of restlessness. The devil wants us to run and for us to be restless where we're at and for us to always look for something more. But I I believe it was the great philosopher Medea that said uh, if the grass is greener on the other side, that just means they have a higher water bill. (laughs) The devil wants us to run from our faith. Can I tell you that the devil wants us to run from our marriage? And the devil wants us to run from our families. The devil wants us to run because he can't touch us when we're in the house. I wanna tell someone in this place today, stay in the house. If you feel that nobody appreciates you, stay in the house. If you've been crying, stay in the house. If you've been in pain, stay in the house. If you've been frustrated, stay in the house. Just wait a little bit longer because the Bible says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like, with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Just wait a little bit longer wait on you, God. I'm going to wait on you. Things don't always make sense to me, but I'm going to wait on you. I'm going to wait on you. What happened with the prodigal son is that he left the house. He left the house. The enemy was saying, come, I can't touch you while you're in that place. Come. And then it was not until he left that his life began a, a downward spiral. The youngest son left, literally thinking to himself, I have the best of both worlds. I have everything that I had in the house, but yet I can do whatever I want and not answer to anybody. Literally thinking to himself, can imagine, I have the best of both worlds. But the Bible says that he began to waste His possessions. Began to waste his possessions. He began to waste the goods that he had at his disposal. The King James Version says that he began to waste his substance. His substance. And I love the choice of words because the the fact of the matter is that when we get involved with the enemy, we don't just lose our possessions. When we get involved with the enemy, it puts everything At risk. Our integrity, our self esteem, our reputation. It's all on the line when we get involved with the enemy. Money isn't the only thing you lose. The Bible says in Proverbs that a good name is worth more than money. And he started wasting and started doing what he wanted and started not living under the protection of his father, under the guidance of his father. And he he started doing what David said we should never do. The Bible says that he started wanting. He started wanting. And David said in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That word means shall not lack anything so he starts lacking he starts lacking he hired himself off to one of the citizens look to where his life had come to he hired himself off to one of the citizens just a few few weeks back days I don't know the timeline. He had people attending to him. But now, can you give me a job? I just need, I need something. He hired himself off to one of the citizens because there was a great hunger. And he entered into a state of desperation. And desperation will make you do some crazy things. Desperation will make you do things that you've never that you never thought you would do and he was in such a bad condition that he he just saw his surroundings he saw everything that was there accessible to him and he saw what the pigs were eating what the swine were eating And the Bible tells us that he desired to fill himself up with their food. It had really gotten bad. He desired to fill himself up with their food. Having wasted, the Bible said, everything. He desired that. But I'm so glad that the story didn't end that way. I'm drawing to a close. I'm so glad that the story... Didn't end that way. I just want to tell somebody today that regardless of what it looks like right now, your story does not end like that. I don't know who that is for. I don't know. But your story doesn't end like that. The Bible says that he came to his senses. He changed his mind. And I just want to stop and say how amazing is it that God shows up right in the nick of time. That God shows up right when we need him most. And the Bible tells us that right before he he went, he stooped maybe to the lowest level. That he came to his senses and he said, in my father's house, in my father's house, there is plenty of bread. There is plenty of bread. There is plenty of resources. Everything that I need is in my father's house. Can I tell you that everything you need can be found in God's presence. Everything you need, the the guidance that you need for your life can be found in his word. The protection that you need can be found in him. And I am so grateful that he came to his senses and he said, what am I doing here in this situation. What am I doing here in this place? Uh, There's something greater for me that I have experienced before. I have tasted and I have seen that the Lord is good. I have experienced him. And I just want to stop and say that I thank God not only for what he has forgiven me for. I don't only thank him for what he has saved me from, but I also got to stop and thank him for saving me from what I almost did. Nobody nobody knows what I'm talking about today. That, that if I would have been there one second longer, if I would have stayed addicted one second longer, if I would have stayed in that situation, if, I, if you would have been there one second longer, you wouldn't be here today. But right when things were getting worse and, and things seemed to be steamrolling downhill, God stepped in and said, no, you're mine. You're bought with a price. You are blessed. You are hungry. Highly favored. Uh, And right uh, when I found myself making stupid choices and when we found ourselves making dumb choices, uh, we said, what am I doing here? He stepped in. He stepped in. If you could just think for a moment of the things that he saved you from. The road you were going down. I'm grateful that God showed up. I'm grateful that God showed up and He allowed me to come to my senses. And I want to tell you this morning that regardless of where you find yourself, you can change your mind. That you can come to your senses. That you. That you can say in my father's house everything that i need is there everything that i need is there so maybe this morning wherever you find yourself distant from god it seems like there's so much disconnect between you and god and choices that that you've made and and decisions that you've made and, and things that you've gone through. And you wonder about where you stand with Him. You wonder where you stand with God this morning. And I just, as I close, I want to tell you that the Father waits. If you want to know the heart of the father, you'll see it here. Jesus in this parable that he shares, he lets us know where he stands. He made his the son changes his mind and goes, runs back. And he he's coming from a distance. And the father said this to his servants, So, so, maybe nobody knows but you and God that there's some distance between you and Him. Made some poor choices, made some bad decisions. I want to tell you, He waits. He waits. He waits and he stands with open arms and he says, you can come home. You can come home. You can have a relationship with me again. You can have the fellowship, the communion that we have of walking together. He, he invites you in saying, you don't have to live making those poor choices time and time again, but that you can come back. You don't have to live in your failure. You don't have to live in your mistakes. You don't have to live in that current state. He says, come back. Come back. So I just want to encourage somebody today that regardless of where you find yourself, you can come back to Jesus. You can come back to the Father. Father, we thank you today. thank you for your presence. We thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the privilege that you give us to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word. God, and we ask that today that your word would, as it's tugging at strings of our heart, that you would just allow us to come back. Thank you for your love. That is beyond measure. For your goodness and for your grace. Right now, God, I thank you for everyone that's making a private decision to come to you that you see that, and you welcome them home. Thank you, because no one is too far gone, I thank you that there is still hope today for the worst of us. Right now, God, that you would do a work in every heart, in every mind, and in every life, with every eye closed and every head bowed. Maybe today is... first time that you hear the love of a father that is so great. He sees you right where you're at. He sees you carrying shame and carrying guilt, harboring all that resentment on deep down on the inside, and he says, give it to me. he, He loves you so much that he'll leave the 99 to go after the one. So he's coming after you, he's chasing after you, he's pursuing you, and he just says, I stand at the door and I knock. If you open the door, I'll come in. So if you're here today and if you have not made the decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life and to accept him as your personal savior, I want to give you an opportunity right now every eye closed, every head bowed if that is you today and you say today's the day I want to give my life to Jesus right now, in this moment I want to invite you just where you're at stay seated, just raise your hand I see you I see you right there here we believe that no one should do life alone we believe that We're all in this together. And I want to invite everybody at the side of my voice to pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. For loving me at my worst. I invite you into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. And let me live the life you died to give me. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give God praise for everyone that accepted him today? I want to invite you to stand. I want to open up the altar, and this is. If there is something that you need, if there is something that you need God to intervene on your behalf and you just say, God, I just really need you in this aspect of my life. I need you in my faith. I need you in my family. I need you in my finances. I need you in my job. I need you whatever the situation may be. The Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. And we can find mercy in the time of need. Maybe you're going through something. This just seems so immense and so so large. So catastrophic. Maybe you're going through something and you're just like at your wit's end. And you feel hopeless. I want to invite you to come right now. We have people that will join you and pray with you, pray for you, pray with you. And just come and say, take a step of faith and just say, God, I'm I'm coming. I'm believing that you're going to show up for me. I'm believing that you're going to do the impossible. I believe that you're going to do the incredible. Yeah, your heart may be heavy. Yeah, you're going through something. I'm not dismissing that, but I want to tell you, bring it to the one who can do something for you. He says, come to me if you're heavy burdened, if you're laden. Come to me if you have something that you're going through that's just too big for you to go through on your own. He said, I'll give you rest. And for some of us in this place, you sleep at night, but you don't really have rest. You're uneasy constantly and constantly. It just sits there. God says, come to me. So, Father, right now, you see every heart. You see every need. God, you know the details better than we know ourselves. You see how bad the situation really is. You see the frustration of our hearts and our minds. You see the loneliness that we face. You see the temptation that we're struggling with. You see the challenge that just seems too big for us, God. So right now we bring it to you. We bring it to you. We trust you with it, God. This this is a job for Jesus. I can't do it, but you can. I can't do it, but you can. So right now, God, we shift our attention. We shift our attention from the problem to the problem solver right now God we shift our attention to the God that can do it all we shift our attention to the God that knows no barriers we shift our attention to the God that knows no impossibilities right now God we declare that doors will be open we declare God that you will do a work that is exceedingly abundantly all that we ask or think right now God right In the middle of the chaos, in the eye of the storm, that you, God, would speak to the winds, that you would say, peace, be still. That you would say, peace, be still. Right now, God, we bring it to you.